So happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for coming and sharing your Valentine's Day with me. It reminds me of when I was younger and I always got to share Valentine's Day with couples here, couples there. I was just kind of that guy that went and hung out with other couples, I guess. But it's what? Happy anniversary! Thank you. Yes. All right, so in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I thought it would be appropriate to have a sermon about love. And today's, uh, the message of today's sermon is love is one powerful four-letter word. So before I get started, last week we had the opportunity to honor a high school student as he decided to move on and go to Black Hill State and sign on to play football. And I shared a statistic that day that only about 7% of high school athletes actually go on to play college sports. And then if you go on to NCAA schools, it's astronomically small. But I was thinking about that because I was thinking, what would it be like to be a kid who was like a superstar and heavily recruited? So these recruiters call up and they come and they take you out to dinner and they promise you fame and they promise you prestige and they tell you about how all the girls that are going to be following after you or all the guys who are going to think you're so cool, right? And then they go on to say, and hey, if you come to our school, you know, we'll pay for all of your schooling. So and in essence, they're giving them large sums of money at a very young age. And I was just thinking, wow, I obviously never had an opportunity to uh, experience that. But whoever has the best offer, that's usually where the athlete is going to go. Right? And they're going to go wherever it can be the, be, be the best. So I was thinking, as, as church members, how do we go about recruiting our friends and our families and our neighbors and our community into the brotherhood of Christ, to be on God's team? Because really, as, as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to minister to other people. Even if you're not standing on a stage, you're called to go out and minister to people but the interesting thing is, you know, we're not going to go out and say, hey, I'm gonna, you're going to be famous and it's going to be so glorious. In fact, in James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves before God and he will lift you up. So really what we're going to do is we're going to say, I know life is great right now, but come hang out with us. And then you get a chance to put yourself at the absolute bottom, to humble yourself before everybody else, to serve other people before yourself. For some people, that doesn't sound all that appealing, especially in this culture. So, you know, we're not going to go and say, oh, and you're going to get rich and we're going to give you fame and fortune and it's just going to be wonderful. In fact, if I look at Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your crops. So we can actually tell them, you know, if you, if you come to church, pastor's going to tell you to look into your heart and to give what God tells you to give, but eventually you're going to be asked to, to give your money away to other people who need it and give your money away. And so once again, some people might say, I know what those churches are all about. All they really want me to come for is their money, is my money. We've all heard it. So how do we go about recruiting people and bringing people into the brotherhood of Christ, bringing people into the, the love of Christ, when sometimes what we have to offer isn't as glorious and glamorous as what society has to offer? I mean, we're, we live in a culture and society that says, you, you need to be in the limelight. You need to strive to have as much money as you can. You need to put yourself above everybody else if you're going to be successful. And, you know, that really doesn't jive with what we're really all about as Christians. My hope today is you're going to, by the end of this message, you'll start to see kind of a realization that while uh, maybe those things that we might ask you to do as Christians don't seem real appealing by society standards, there's really 
no other way to live life. So I want to share with you a message from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And today I'm going to share it to you in a way that I've never shared it before, because usually I kind of stay away from the message. But sometimes it, it's able to understand as a story more and understand in everyday life if we read it that way. So it says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear the way our sins and the damage they've done to our relationships with God. Did you hear that? That has nothing to do with us loving God. It has everything to do with him loving us. See, unconditional love only comes from God and the love that God offers. It's the only thing that can truly fill the void in our lives. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. My guess is everybody in here at one time or another, or maybe even not so long ago, has felt that, that I just feel like there's something missing in my life. See, I think everybody has it at some time or another, but I think most people aren't willing to admit it. Instead, you know, they, they want to fill their lives full of things that will temporarily make them feel better. And if I could share, you know, we, hey, it's Valentine's Day, right? And if, if you have a Valentine, it, it might be the day that you actually just feel really, really loved. Right? Because you get showered with gifts sometimes and, you know, kind words. And gentlemen, if you got up in the morning, if you're usually grumpy today, you maybe went and just tried your hardest to just really pour in to that person that you love or or maybe for some of you valentine's day is like ugh. i remember being in college and i think i wore for the four and a half years i was in college i wore black every single year on valentine's day as a sign of i don't like this day it's okay oops <laughs> but i i never liked it and i was always joking say oh valentine's day that's a hallmark kind of day right but really it's all about filling people, somebody else up. It's not about feeling love. It's about filling somebody else up through love. And, you know, but the interesting thing is at the end of today, Valentine's Day is going to end. And some of the, that box of chocolates that gave you that quick sugar high. Yeah. Or those roses that are going to wilt and die away in a few days. That, that temporary high is going to end. Hopefully it doesn't end in your relationships. And hopefully you continue to feel loved. But... That temporary fulfillment for some people might start to fade away because really there's no true fulfillment in life without the love of God. I would imagine that most of you in this room that are in a relationship probably have the most mutually beneficial relationship that you've ever had because you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You have brought God into your families and into your relationships and suddenly it's a whole lot different than it used to be before. See, you can't earn God's love, you can't buy God's love, you can't win God's love. But the good news is he doesn't love you because who you are anyway, right? I mean, I mean, think about it. If God was to look at us on the day that we're at our best, the day that we wore a blue suit and tie to church, God, yeah. he would look at us and say, 
I, mean, I don't think he wouldn't say this, but in comparison to God, in comparison to heaven, in comparison to everything else, our suits and our, our best clothes are just filthy rags. Because when we're at our best, sometimes you have to ask ourselves, do we really deserve God's love, right? But he loves us not because of what we do and not because of what we wear, but because of who we are with inside. Even when somebody else doesn't want to love us, God always loves us. How many times have you ever heard people say when they're in a relationship, you know, oh, he's just not the man he used to be, or she's just not the woman she used to be. I, you know, something has changed. And could it be quite possibly that um, that person is the exact same person they were, but the honeymoon period is over, you get more comfortable? Yeah. I know oftentimes I have to put myself in check because the way I would treat somebody in my professional life, whether it's in the church or whether it's at the school, when they would come up and confront me, I would be this kind of guy that would take a deep breath and let them vent and argue. And then I'd let them keep doing it until the conversation kind of comes back around. But if you put me with my wife or my kids and they come up and they want to start an argument with me, you notice what I said there? Do they want to start an argument with me? <laughs> it's usually not the way it is, but... I'm very quick with the tongue. I'm very quick to say things very quickly. And at those moments, I have to ask myself sometimes, why would somebody love me in that, in that particular moment? See, that's who we are. That's who we are deep down inside. And I think we feel comfortable sometimes within our family, so we act that way. But, but God looks at us, and he doesn't see the person who's at their best in their job. And he doesn't just see the person who is maybe sometimes the worst in their family, but he just sees us, and it doesn't matter which person we are today because he's still going to love us. See, his love isn't based on our actions and our deeds, and, you know, thankfully he loves us because of who he is, but not because who we are. Because he is the God of love, and I think we can find rest in the fact that his love for us is based on his love alone, and it has nothing to do with any one of us. He just loves us. See, God loved us long before we ever loved him, long before we ever knew there was a God, God loved us. He loved us before we were anything at all, and nothing can ever change his mind about that. Nothing can change his mind about loving us. Here, you know, he's the only constant we can depend on. I, I, I noticed as I listened to worship today, and I heard it a little bit differently, the last two songs talked over and over again about being in chains and chains dropping down. And I think about that because I think about myself at my worst, or maybe you can think about yourself at your worst. Maybe you were living a life that you didn't want to live, or maybe you just didn't quite have things figured out. But God still loved you on that day. Maybe there was a time in your life where you were, you were struggling, and you know that becomes your testimony now because if you've made it through there, you can now share that and bring somebody else to God. But God always loves us, even at our worst. So if I can... Continue on if we go to the book of Romans now, chapter 8, 38 and 39. It says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. See, it doesn't matter what you do in your life. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter the great works that you do. Or the horrible, terrible, unspeakable things you can do. God still loves us. At those days where you're just at your worst and you're crying and you're like, God, I don't know that I can make it through today. God still loves you. 
And he's going to pull you through that time. See, nothing's going to separate us from God's love. God is omnipresent. He's ever-present, and he's already been everywhere time will ever be. Okay, that means his love goes everywhere he goes, and it's pretty awesome to think that his love is already waiting for us to arrive. So if you're at a point right now where you're like, I just don't know. God's waiting because he can see what, what it looks like on the other side, on the other side of that struggle in your lives. See, he already knows, too, how we're going to respond and how we're going to act in every situation. He knows that later on today, if, if today doesn't go so very well, he knows how you're going to react. Or if today is the best day that you've had all week, he knows how you're going to react. He knows. But he still says this to you. He says, my love for you is still bigger than that. I can get past that. I can move past that. We can get past this together because my love is bigger than that. See, God hates sin, though, but he loves the sinner. You know, I've shared before, and I looked for it this week, the, uh, the video that we used to show at a church that Pastor Nancy and I went to, and it always says, you know, I can't go to church because I haven't got my life figured out yet. But that's exactly the reason why people need to go to church, because God hates sin, but he loves the sinner, and it's not a conditional love. You know, it's just the way that God loves the world, and the question is, us as a church... This is where it's going to turn a little bit. Us as a church should really start to love people the other way. You know, I wish I had a group of middle school boys sitting right here in the front row today. I know Pastor Nancy would be like, okay, well, I'm going to sit in the back today then because sometimes they're a little bit much. But I wish that I had them sitting in front of me right now so they could hear that one because shouldn't the church be the same way? It doesn't matter if somebody is super nice to you or, or if somebody is absolutely horrible to you. It doesn't matter if somebody lied to you or somebody trying to hit you, or whatever the case is. We're not called to hate those people. We're called to love those people no matter what. And I say that because it's been a crazy week as a principal of middle school boys. But I often think that, you know, if I, I could go through and I could talk to about adults that I've talked to throughout the week, and, and we're really no different, right? I mean, somebody does something wrong to us, sends a message on Facebook, posts something that we don't like, and immediately we're... We've got this part that, oh, I just don't really like you that much right now. And sometimes it can, 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 can convict us because we're not called to do that. We're called as Christians to love absolutely everybody, no matter what they've done or how they treat us. We don't have to accept how they treat us, but we still have to love them. So I want to give you a little story. Imagine that you're walking down the street and you see somebody who's a little bit disheveled. Maybe they appear to be in the circumstance of homelessness. Okay, so you think, oh, I'm a Christian. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down to the restaurant real quick, and I'm going to buy them a meal, and I'm going to bring it up to them and give it to them. So as you walk up to them and bend down and be like, excuse me, sir, I just want to give you this meal. Can you imagine if they looked at you and said, no, it's okay. I just ate. But hey, maybe you'd want to just sit down with me for a moment and have a conversation. See, maybe it wasn't the meal that this person was looking for, but maybe really it was just the love of Jesus Christ that they were looking for. Because to run down and spend 5 or $10 on a meal is pretty easy. To make a quick phone call and say, hey, I'm going to be a half hour or an hour late because I just want to pour into somebody. Sometimes that's a little inconvenient. But maybe that's what people really need. See, looks are deceiving and God only knows what's going on in this situation. I had this idea as I was thinking about that analogy. What if that person sitting there was a college kid who was getting ready to go to their acting class? We have no idea. But maybe it's somebody who's like, I don't know, I'm going to sit here for a minute because I'm just really, true, truly sad and I don't even know if I can go to my acting class 
let alone get through the rest of this day because I don't feel any love. Or maybe it's the person that you work with that normally looks absolutely wonderful, but today they've just got that downtrodden look on their face. Yeah, you could offer to take them out to lunch, but maybe they just need the love of Jesus. And where does that come from? It comes from, from you. Okay? You know, if we talk about religion, ever talk to somebody who maybe doesn't quite go to church and they use the word religion quite a bit? That's a tough word for me. Because, see, the religious side of Christianity sometimes seems to measure out God's love with a teaspoon. Like, you get a little bit of my love, you get a little bit of my love, you get a little bit of my love. Oh, well, there's a little bit left, so you get a little bit of my love. But, but then God comes to us with this giant semi-truck, feed truck, whatever it is, and, and the love that fills it is never-ending. It just keeps overflowing no matter what it is. It's interesting because it doesn't matter what we do. God's love never changes. It doesn't matter about the whole world's sin. Think about the whole world, all the people in this world who have sinned. You and I and people down the street and people across the world. You know, past and forever. All of that. God's love is greater than every single moment in time. Every single sin. And God has provided forgiveness for every single one as long as we ask for it. Okay? All of those sins of the world are completely powerless to change his love for us. And once you get a hold of that love, did you know that it drives the enemy absolutely crazy? Because the one thing that the enemy wants us to do is to get caught up in that sin and the guilt and the shame that sometimes comes along with sin so that we start to walk away from the one who truly loves us. But once he sees that we've accepted God's love, even in the midst of our lowest times, he knows there's nothing he can do about it to separate you from him. And pretty soon he's going to go back into the shadows and find somebody else to torment. We've talked last week about walking in the light. And this is part of that walking in the light that knowing in their, your deepest and darkest times, God is still with you and he still loves you no matter what you've done. In the book of Romans chapter five, verses six through eight, it says Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. Before I go on, I just, I'm left with this thought that that first scene, Christ arrives right on time to think, make things happen. If you think back over your life and maybe your, your ministries within the communities or those times that you've been in struggle and you just needed somebody and that God just showed up right on time, whether it was he sent somebody to, to help you or maybe he encouraged you to get a hold of somebody else, but God always shows up right on time if we let him. If we don't hit the mute button, and put the phone back in our pocket. God will show up always right on time to make good things happen. He goes on to say, He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. I'm wondering how many out there today, that, that phrase that says that we were too weak and too rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready, if, if that resonates with any of you, because you see, God's not waiting for that. He's not waiting for you to be ready to get through because he's ready right now. It goes on to say, and even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person we're dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to a selfless act. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. 
Now, I don't truly believe that that translation is 100% true because we're definitely, we have a use and a purpose in God's life. But even when we're at our lowest points where we're maybe not so good to the people around us, God still said, hey, I'm going to send my son to die for you so that you can be saved. See, we can and should be confident in the life that God has given us today, not because we love him, because our love really is irrelevant. It doesn't matter, but because he loves us. That's where our confidence should come from, his love for us. So here's something else to think about. If we didn't do anything to earn God's love, like there's nothing. You showed up today and got out of bed. God's like, way to go, high five, out of boy. He loves you no matter what. So if we didn't do anything to earn God's love, that means we don't need to leave in fear of losing it either. Like the accuser constantly would like us all to believe. See, there is no fear within the love of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many relationships are affected by that element right there, the element of fear, the element of, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose this relationship that I have. Probably way more than we would like to think. Far too many relationships are conditional in nature. See, that's why the divorce rate in this, in this world is so high because it's conditional, right? It's like if you walk between these lines right here, you and I can be together. But if you start to stray this way or start to stray that way, I don't know, we've got something to talk about and I may be heading the, same, the other direction. But God's love's not like that. He wants us to come back in but he's waiting for us. See, Jesus knows everything about us, the past, the present, and the future. And in other words, all the ugly, and guess what? He loves us anyway. My guess is if you've been in a relationship for a couple months or more years than you can count, your significant other still doesn't know everything, your deepest, darkest secrets about you, because there are some things inside that we hold and that we'll probably take to the grave. But God knows, and he loves us anyway. See, when it comes to God, you can be yourself and he's going to still love you just the way you are. He may say, Pastor Brad, he always says it that way too. Pastor Brad, it's time to come back. But it doesn't matter. He's still going to love you just the way you are. After all, he made you and nobody knows you better than God. You don't have to change yourself before you come to know him. Because once you come to know him, the more willing you're going to be to automatically change yourself, right? You don't have to change yourself just for, to be a part of God's team. In order, order for God to recruit you, you don't have to be the best of the best. In fact, he'd probably rather that you be the worst of the worst. And he's going to say, hey, but once you're there, you're going to be like that, uh, the Edgemont moguls playing against the Lakota Tech. It's going to be rough, but you're going to get better because you were there. Oh, nobody tells anybody that one because I don't want to. Okay, that's all right. See, but you don't have to change yourself because once you become that, you'll start to change automatically. You know, it's not about the right living. It's about the right believing. If you believe that you can get there, your life is going to get there. It's not about what you're capable of. It's what he's capable of. Okay, the word says it, but human nature has a hard time accepting the unending and, un, and the easiness of it. It's just that simple. God loves us, and it doesn't matter what we do. You know, the world says it can't be that easy, but see, God has this infinite wisdom, and he decided it 
decided the fact that I'm going to make it that easy so that everybody can attain it, so everybody can have my love, so we can experience the life the way that he intended. You know, if it wasn't, would we ever even have a remote possibility of the love God has for us? If you were to sit right now and play your life video in reverse and look at your whole life, if it wasn't that easy, would God really love you? See, but what people don't know is that, you know, even though they're enjoying God's love, it doesn't change the fact, you know, they're enjoying the world and God's love and, it, and there's nothing that they can do. And it doesn't change the fact that they're loved by the creator and God is patiently waiting to pour his love out to them the moment they become aware of his love. The moment they become aware of his love. So, so think about this community. How many people in this community don't even know that God even really exists? Like, obviously, you know, we, we live in a society where we celebrate Christmas, regardless of whether we're Christian. Okay? But how many people in this community don't even know that his love exists? So how can they receive it? Okay? Think of it this way. Imagine that you had this bank account that you never had to check the balance on. You never had to check the balance on. Okay? Not that you chose not to check the balance. You just never had to check the balance on. Sorry, that's probably me. But even it, no matter how much you spent, no matter how, no matter how many trips you went on, no matter how many pairs of shoes you bought, whatever the case may be, there would always be plenty, more than enough to do whatever you wanted to do anytime you wanted to do it. You didn't have to worry about it. But yet, you were actually living in poverty, though, because you didn't know it was there. You didn't know it existed. So you didn't have it to spend. Okay, There are people in this community that are living life that way. They have this un unbelievable amount of love from God, and they don't know that it's there. So they're living this life of poverty, and I'm not talking about financial poverty. I'm talking about poverty from the love of God. See, it's up to us to let people know about the abundance of God's love and what he has for us and what he has for them. See, the world around us is never going to know the love of God unless we share it with them. It doesn't mean that you need to start fundraising so you can go across seas to do a mission trip to win people over for God. If that's what you're called to do, that's what you're called to do, but it doesn't mean you have to do that. See, it's not enough that we know, we know God and believe that God loves us, but God expects us to do something. He expects us to bear fruit. Okay? He expects us to grow the kingdom. And we should want to bear fruit, shouldn't we? We should want more people to come. We should want more people to fill these rooms, this room, not because we could then go and brag and say, hey, you know how many people we have at Bethel? That has nothing to do with it. It's so that we can continue to pour out God's love. If we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 19, it says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test, test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Live in the fullness of God. Some of you have had a rough week. 
I shared with the youth group my rough week. I told them Monday night I sat right here and I listened to worship music and I cried. And we talked about in, in youth group the fact that giving up is not an option many times. And that if we call out to God, God's going to help us through that and he's going to guide us in the direction that we want to go. But I think what happens is sometimes when we get caught up in the struggles of this world and our everyday lives, we forget that it doesn't matter what, the, what society says and what the people in our lives say. But if we'll just call out to him, he'll, he'll take that on. I mean, he's got big hands, right? He's got big shoulders. He can take this on. It's all about Christ's love. Okay, in this book of Ephesians, you know, it's Paul's prayer and it should be ours as well. We need to pray that the blinders would be removed from all who are blinded from knowing the truth about God's love in their lives. I truly believe that Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, when Thomas has his group here, and I believe that people from this community and surrounding communities are going to start to fill this basement, and people's blinders are going to be taken off because it's founded in the belief of Jesus Christ, in the belief of at least a higher spiritual power for maybe some people who aren't willing to accept it. But it should be our prayer that those blinders be lifted. You know, the world needs to know the amazing truth about God's love. People need to know that even if you think you have nothing to offer him, even if you think you've never done a single thing to deserve it, even if you feel like you've ruined every opportunity you will ever, ever have, every opportunity to receive it, even if you think you're not worthy, it doesn't matter because God still takes great pleasure in you and you are his creation, his masterpiece. As kids, you know, I don't know if anybody else ever did this, but you build this great masterpiece, maybe build up a big old tower with blocks and your mean older or younger sister or brother would come by and knock it all over. Your great masterpiece and you were just destroyed. I think sometimes God looks at us like that tower and he says, but you know, it's okay. Because I'll sit here right here with you and we'll just build it right back up again. Because that's, that's what God believes. That's, he, is, he is the builder. He, he will do that. He takes pleasure in it. You are his creation. And even if it got, not, you get knocked over, he's going to help build you back up. See, the love of God is like having access to the whole world's earth, the whole world's fresh water just so you can have a glass. You only need this much of his God's love, but the whole world, the whole amount is available for you. That's how much value God puts on your worth. I could say one person's worth, but today I want to say your worth. Because today you're here to hear this for yourself, and God loves you that much. He's not only willing to give you everything he has because he already has. Okay, the book of John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we'll probably never realize the true extent of this love, what this verse even means until we get to heaven. But God loves us that much. You know, one thing we can be thankful for here on earth is the fact that our name is covered by the word and it doesn't matter who we are. Praise God, God loves us no matter who we are. And we know that when, we, when, when people were asked, what was Jesus' greatest commandment? I'm sure on this day more than ever, you probably can now remember it, but Jesus' greatest commandment was this. It was all about love, right? And it says in Mark 12, 29 to 31, Jesus said, the first in importance is listen. 
The Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. But here's the second. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Here's the second. Love others as you would love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. Can you imagine how things would change in your life if, if you really dove into that commandment right there? Is it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if it's the stinky kid or the not-so-nice lady that you work with. But love her just the same as you would love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you need to figure that one out too because God loves you. You know, can imagine how we would win friends and families and neighbors to the Lord? If we, not by telling them that they need to do things differently. Not by telling them, you know, Jericho, you need to get your act together. You need to get some things changed. That's not how we win people to God. In fact, they're going to be like, okay, I'm not ready to be a part of that club. Because they're just going to make me feel bad every time I show up. But instead, to sit down with somebody and say, hey, you know what? I just love you too much. And I want to, no matter what you do, I'm going to continue to love you. But I love you so much that I want to help you walk through this. I want to help you to get there. See, by doing what Jesus said we should do, loving others as ourselves, pretty soon we don't have to share the word of the gospel. We might share our testimony. We might share how our lives are changed. But if we love other people, they're going to flock to us. Okay. So there's this lady. Her name was Dolly Madison. And I was like, did I miss that part in Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison? But no, she was not in an Adam Sandler movie. Dolly Madison was wife of the fourth president of the United States. And she was one of the most popular women in American history, at least at her time. You know, wherever she went, she charmed and she captivated everyone. Whether they were Nobody knew them or they were the most known person in their area, whether they were rich, whether they were poor, whether they were a man, whether they were a woman. It didn't matter. She just charmed and captivated everybody. Okay? And she once was asked to explain the secret power that she had over people, why people just flocked to her. And surprised by the question, she just exclaimed, power over people? I don't have any power over people. I don't make people, I don't influence anybody. Really, the only thing I do is I just love absolutely everyone. And those who love are richly rewarded with love in return. Okay, 1 John 4, 17 through 19 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. God wants us to rest assured in our life and the love that he has given us. And that really there's nothing that's been left out. He thought of everything we would ever need and included it in his love. He's given us love. He's given us mercy. He's given it grace. And it happened that day. When Jesus was nailed to the cross. Every promise he ever made to us was guaranteed that day. The same love that he has, that God had for his own son, he has for us as well. And that's why the Bible says, because as he is, so are we in this world. He not only loved us enough to send his own son to redeem us, but he loved us enough to give us access to everything Jesus has as well. When we establish a relationship with him, 
It's all theirs, ours for the taking. And it's made possible by that one moment when Jesus was hung on the cross. So the question is, do you know God? Do you know Jesus today? I mean, not, not just know him like he's on your friends list. But do you really like know him like he's, he's the first one you talk to in the morning and he's the last one you talk to at the end of the day? He's the one that you want to go to when you've had the best day ever and he's the only one you can think of going to when you've had the worst day possible. Do you really know God today? I hope that answer is yes. But if, if that answer is yes, and even if the answer is no, the next question is, is, are you living in his extravagant love today? Are you walking around? Ever, ever think about your first real crush that you had on somebody? That time when like, you wake up in the morning and you just got this feeling, and you're like picking up the phone and or maybe <laughs> phones used to do this. I know. Okay, I'm just teasing you. Okay, but do you remember that? That how good you felt. Okay, the question is: Is are you living that today? Because God loves you so much more than those endorphins and hormones that were going through your body at that time, because those fade, those change, those evolve. But are you living today? Go walking around, going, you know what? God loves me. Okay? And if you're not, it's time to start to investigate how do I start to accept that love that he has for me? And realistically, those people that you walk by each day or maybe those people that you talk to each day, are you sharing that love of God? I don't mean preaching the gospel to them. I mean saying, hey, how are you doing today? And not walking away after you say it. You know, test that theory once. How many times during the week do you say, hey, how's it going? Way too many, right? Because we're afraid that what we're going to hear when we walk, when we, if we stop. We need to, I think we're called as Christians, number one, not just on Valentine's Day, but to just love people. I imagine how, you know, my job would be a thousand times easier if I could just teach every kid in that building to just love people. Just to love each other no matter what, if you wanted to hang out with them or not. They wouldn't be jerks to their teachers. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that word. But, but there wouldn't be kids sitting off in the corner who didn't know if they wanted to come to school the next day because they were too sad to be there. And as adults, it's really no different. Our, our, our environments just look different. So I hope that this message spoke to you a little bit today and just makes you realize how loved you truly are. I know love, God has put a calling on your lives and maybe he hasn't revealed it yet. But, but the utmost important calling he's put on your lives is just truly to, to let him love you. To let him love you so that you can share that love with other people. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to spend time together in your word and in being immersed in your, in your love and glorious beauty. And we just ask as we go about our days today, not just because it's Valentine's Day, Lord, but that we'll be able to spread your love with everyone we meet. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. If you would like to come tonight, we still are having our group. And we'll have a good time. And then get home and share our week. So have a great day.